What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of our podcast show, EPPS 2021. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, or whatever day it is. I sound like I'm in a tunnel. Yeah. So, yeah, I try to play with the sound. I'll probably play with it a little bit more. But if you can hear us, let us know in the comments, and we'll see it up here if you're on Facebook Live on our page or YouTube channel of us, just leave a comment and let me know. We got a lot to talk about uh, today, or tonight. <laughs> um, finally got to go see a movie that came out November 19th of this yes. year. And that was last night. It was awesome. Um, and I'll give my star rating of the whole movie. Um, we're going to have some more herbs. By mm -hmm. the lovely gothic that has a new surrounding, as you can see. She is the lovely... I'm Paralore. That's right. I had to uh, lower my volume. Ah. I didn't realize it was uh, a little loud mm. for me. Sorry. Sorry. I forgot to readjust her uh, system because I was doing the test all day trying to get this thing perfect and... Not sound like we're doubling back our words, or trying to sound like one of us is in a cave, but unfortunately, I think it backfired on me, but hey, as long as you can still hear me, that's great. I um, tried to warn him. He don't listen to me. Well, as I explained in the last uh, episode... That your system's now Windows 11. Mine's still Windows 10. So I know it's, that. it's. I'm still working with both systems trying to get it perfect. Um, so, let's see. We got herbs to talk about some more. Yep. So we got some news um, that I found for myself and some for her that seemed a little interesting. Yeah. But. I'm not 100% sure if she's going to do them, what she thinks of them, and stuff like that. And did a lot of rearranging setups and stuff. Thanksgiving was crazy. <laughs> there was a few things I forgot to make for Thanksgiving dinner, but everything worked out great. Our three babies loved it. Um, and since it's already December, December 1st was really screwed up for almost everybody. Yeah. Especially us. Where Paralore was trying to do the financial side, since now I'm no longer allowed to do it. <laughs> um, it screwed her up hugely to where... She actually let me step in and do the finance uh, for things that we needed, things that we had to go get, and make sure that her thing for next month of the new year was put aside. Yep. I was kind of shocked about from that whole scenario. We get back home, <coughs> and... For some reason, something was telling me, check your phone, check your phone, check your phone. I go to my phone, I pull it up, and the rest is sitting there. 
is this what we're going to have to go through every year from November to payday on the first of the month of that last year? Ever since uh, we've came, uh, moved down here, I've seen that. Yeah. Every other year. Actually, it started, as I remembered, um, from that night. It actually started after my tumor. Okay. That's when shit started to fuck up. Mm. Every November into December of whatever year it was, being the last month of that year, it starts to screw up Yeah. after Thanksgiving. Now, previously, before my tumor, it was fine. We were getting the full amount. 2014, we were here. December rolled around. We got our full amount. Mm-hmm. After Thanksgiving. 2015, same thing. 2016, it's when it started. Yeah. So, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Five years. Every December hits, we get, everybody gets screwed. Yeah. So, um, there was something else I was supposed to talk about. I don't know. What was it? Oh, emails. Yes. Um, through Anchor. People are still emailing me to ask Paralore about a subject that people want to know and then I told her about it she slightly snapped at me about (laughs) it but then I explained to her a different way because I forgot because I'm trying to keep the focus on the emails that people are asking about for Paralore and I'm trying to incorporate that into the whole thing and it's kind of tough and then... You forgot I, uh, I have ADD. True. <laughs> That's the third part. I forgot to work in with part one and part two of this email. But I ended up managing after maybe three, four days to finally get it perfect. And she's been doing a lot of research, a lot of writing. I have to type it up. Yeah. That's going to be fun. <laughs> and then it was another email that came in and asked a really weird question. And I was like, okay, I got part one here. I need to do part two, did part three. But part four, how the hell am I going to work that in? What? It was what we were just talking about off air. Oh. You found. <laughs> And I'm like, um, okay, I'm going to ask her this, see what she does. She started doing research, but that's going to be in a whole different ballpark episode here. Um, Not in this one, because we're going to try and finish out this one, try to get to at least episode 50 before the year (laughs) ends. So in 2022... If we can get through everything here, if not, it'll probably still continue over into 2022. But it's going to be a weird 
type of live stream show, and I won't even know how to put it a description for it. <laughs> and it's 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 going to be nuts. And I'm not going to say what it is. Y'all going to have to wait for that garbage <laughs> and everything. And when we do that show, if you have input, if you want to be a part of the show just to collaborate with Paralord and what she found, what she written down, what she typed up, what she saved um, in her computer, and she's taking whatever information from that, copying it, pasting it into her type-ups, feel free. Just email us um, at this address here, down below. And in the subject title, you put in want to be part of the show backslash collaborate with Paralor on the segment and then I will definitely send you an email an hour before we go live so this way here you can click onto it I will see a pop-up in the green room section of this live stream and everything and when we start I'll introduce you and this way here you can share your thoughts share your reasonings your opinions whatever to that show um, so now we get to do a movie review and yes. the movie we saw yesterday that came out November 19th was Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah. Holy crap. <laughs> I actually went there thinking, okay, Ghostbusters Afterlife, I've seen the trailers, I've seen the reviews, I've seen the talks about and it's like a mess of what I've been reading, what I've been watching, what I've been seeing, hearing, and it's like, okay, I'm going to go in as a skeptic. I'm going to go in as, eh, I'm just a movie goer, just, just wants to see movies. Well, the movie the theater didn't open up until about 2.15. Yeah. And... The both of us walked in the door. I look to my right, and I see a, a poster for a movie that's coming out calling, um, saying, Sing 2. <laughs> I'm like looking at it. I look over at Paralor, and I'm like, um, new movie coming out called Sing 2. When the fuck was the first one? What year did that come out? Because that's news to me. Then just a little bit past that first sign or poster, I see the movie Batman. Batman. <laughs> okay, the poster looks awesome. I give it that. It's our favorite colors, red and black. <laughs> but it's like, okay. 
that's coming out next year. Ow. Then I see another poster next to it. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I didn't even know what the hell it was. Mm-hmm. Paralore's like, what? What? What are you looking at? I'm like, you see the Bas- Batman poster sign, right? She's like, yes. Look at what's next to it. I pointed, and then I looked back at her, and she just had this look on her face that nobody could ever put a price on if you tried. <laughs> or even ask a simple derogatory question to the face. So it was like, never mind. <laughs> so we'll walk in. The concession stand's not open yet. The purchasing the movie tickets is not open yet. We go down a little further and we see another poster Mm -hmm. for a fucking book that we (laughs) all read in fucking English class in high school. English lit. (laughs) West Side Story is a fucking goofy book that made no sense whatsoever to me in high school. And now Steven Spielberg is doing a movie from the goddamn book. Um, actually, he did that. He did that a long time ago. That's uh, just reshowing it, like for like one thing, mm. for one day. And it's like, nope, not coming to see that. Then there were other movies as well that are coming out in 2022. Not my cup of tea, except for only the Batman one. <laughs> but the others, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> so, we finally purchased our tickets to see a 255 movie of Ghostbusters Afterlife. And we're there... We had our snacks. She had a big cup of Pepsi and she was happy with it. So we're sitting there. The movie starts. It started off slow. I thought I was about to sleep. I don't know about you. (laughs) But we're there. We're watching it. It's good. It's like an hour and 30 minutes long. And... It was getting interesting. I I did like it. <laughs> it was getting interesting, and it was really twisted. <laughs> I would have to say. Um, but going through it, it was really good graphics. Yeah. Really a hell of a lot better CGI-ing. Special than... effects were on point, not cartoony. Right. It was more amped. Which was like, holy shit. Um, the story was really, really fucking good. Oh, yeah. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> the characters in it were really amped up. Mm-hmm. 
and towards the middle to the end of the movie, they showed Slimer. Yeah. <laughs> really old, but... Not even green. <laughs> like, definitely. neon. Neon blue. <laughs> yeah. You look like a blue fish. <clears throat> but... Slimer was way, way different than Ghostbusters 1 was. Where mm-hmm. he was just green and he only had two arms. This Slimer <laughs> had fucking six or seven arms. I couldn't really count because he was moving them so goddamn fast. And he wasn't eating food. He was eating everything else. <laughs> he was eating freaking copper piping, trash cans, which are aluminum, fire hydrants... And whatever else he could munch on that was metal or copper. or I'm like, what the fuck? Then there's a, a mining company up in the hills. And I caught the name of it. I'm like, really? <laughs> Shandor. That, mining from the company. Video game. And if a lot of you don't know who Shandor is... Shandor is named Evil Shandor, the architect, also known as Evil Shandor, the um, the genocidal maniac. And I'm like, that's a twist. (laughs) And whoever they got to play Evil Shandor was almost to a T to the Ghostbusters video game, which is yeah. the last character you have to destroy because he becomes a god. And I'm like, holy crap. Then, if you remember the 1984 Ghostbusters movie, they had um, Gozer the Gazarian. Mm-hmm. And... This version, she came back. Oh, yeah. But a lot more different. Her outfit mm. was... Uh, how can I say it? <laughs> more prostitution style. <laughs> but it looked really cool. The outfit... Um, the outfit was good. To me, it looked like too light brightish. <laughs> yeah. and, and the, the the face paint was didn't even even match if you noticed <laughs> I mean her, her the whiteness of the face looked like a rejective version of a wannabe porcelain doll and a high tech AI porcelain doll face and I'm like holy crap that part I able in the entire movie I give it a zero. That I do. Okay. But all in all, the entire movie was a fucking ten stars for me. The dogs. Oh hell yeah! The dogs are a lot, the doll, dogs are a lot more huger and huger than it was in part one. Yeah. And um, 
it was really cool. Um, I didn't know that Egon Spangler moved to Somerville, Oklahoma to live on a farm, and everybody was calling him the dirt farmer. <laughs> but the way he set that farm up was like the giant size containment unit that you saw in one and two. Mm-hmm. But bigger. It's freaking awesome. But then when they did a CGI version of Egon Spangler. Oh, yeah. Harold Ramis. Or Ra- Ramis, whatever he Ramis. Um, I will admit, I did cry at the end. Yeah. And how how he's missed so much, but they put him in there. CGI'd. I called it. Yeah. But when... Um, was it Phoebe? Is her name? Phoebe. Phoebe, which is a His knockoff of Egon Spangler, um, called the occult shop and talked to Ray Stans. Danny Aykroyd. Oh my god. <laughs> and needs to go I wasn't I... expecting to see him that huge. Me neither. <laughs> but when Phoebe was talking to him about her grandfather, mm-hmm. I could I could not believe that he said, Well, oh, Egon could go to hell. I was like, What? <laughs> How did that work? I mean, before he passed, was it set up that way between the both of them doing the script of the movie? Or was it just, okay, well, he passed in 2014, the movie's supposed to be coming out, let's just change something and say this. I was was shocked. What happened after they broke up? Yeah, I was shocked. He goes on saying that, you know, after 30 years, everything died down in Manhattan, New York. They couldn't afford the mortgage for the firehouse anymore. Ray said that Egon stole everything from the firehouse. They weren't working together as a team. And I was like, wow. That took me off my rocker. I got semi-pissed about that. (laughs) But then I understood what was happening and why Egon did it. So, now at the end of the movie, all three come back. Mm -hmm. Actually, in the original suits, Mm -hmm. original proton packs that you push a button and the damn thing pops out. I'm surprised they still fit. <laughs> but due to the fact that Egon had the original proton packs where it, the wine is just already out. It's yeah. Out. They, Ray, Vakeman, and Zedmore had the new versions from Ghostbusters 2 when it mm-hmm. pops out. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> okay. So obviously Egon didn't take everything with him. And they were like, holy crap. I thought they were going to do the do-re-mi thing. Oh, God, no. No. (laughs) But it was was awesome. They 
They fired their proton packs for the first time in 30 years. Phoebe got into the action, finally. And then all they saw was this blue hand mm-hmm. come out of nowhere. I'm like looking at him like, oh shit, Slimer showed up. She's, no. He's going to help Showing Phoebe. her. Well, no, at first it was it looked like Slimer's hand. Yeah, you said that to me. I said, no, it's human. (laughs) And you just see it on her, on the front of her hand, holding the proton stream. And it slowly starts moving up, and it's her grandfather. I'm like, why did they make him look like Slimer? (laughs) Couldn't they come up with another color for him? For CGI? No, they made him look like a Slimer. Well, throw everybody off just with the hand. Well, um, <laughs> with um, with it being uh, a CGI 3D version right. of Her- Harold Ramis, yep. um, the way they were doing it um, leading up to that was the actual paranormal side of it. Yeah, Shit moving... Shit being thrown. <laughs> that was awesome. That, the that was fucking awesome. moving. <laughs> yeah, like ee, 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 ee. lights popping on, like leading them somewhere. Like you were like, she's talking to the lamp. No, she's talking to her grandfather. No, you she, thought I was shit, a uh, bullshitting. No, she, okay. The way she did, the way she did is, her name was Callie in the movie. I don't remember her real name for the person she was playing, but she's Egon Spangler's daughter. Don't oh yeah, know the, who the mother is though. But Callie looks up at the lamp as the lamp just like is like this, and he goes eh, right to her, and then another light pops on, and the lamp turns this way, and just like. And she follows the light and the lamp. Phoebe was following the lamp as well mm-hmm. when she asked the question, like, need a nose pliers. Beep. Would you get good at all this? Wall, big ass plaques. <laughs> yeah. It's like, how did he get well? The lamp just goes Beep. to the wall and she like looks, it's just like seven or eight. I think. I thought, I saw like over a dozen. And she she was like, going to work. (laughs) Going to work on the proton pack. She she even made that thing even better. I was (laughs) like, holy crap. And when she first fired it at a bunch of jugs and bottles. Disintegrated. She disintegrated (laughs) the whole damn thing. I was like, wow. But she held it. Yeah. I figured she'd be flying on her ass. No. <laughs> she stood there like a true Ghostbusters and just... <laughs> the whole thing. Disintegrated. She had a friend that she met, or made, named Podcast. <laughs> You're going to name a Asian kid Podcast in a movie. Are you serious? Isn't that a little racial? <laughs> I was like, what the hell? 
But he did a good thing. Yeah, he did good. He was really good. Then it comes to find out that in the movie Ray Stance is a fan of this kid's podcast, <laughs> episode 46, and he was like dead on. I was like, holy crap. And podcast, this podcast show was paranormal one. In the movie, I'm like, okay, that's genius. And then it got weird really at the end of it. Winston Zedmore talking to Ecto-1 again. <laughs> Cartoons version, I can understand him talking to Ecto-1 like that. Mm-hmm. But not in a movie. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell? Who came up with that idea? Probably him. <laughs> so, the movie was great. It was awesome. I gave it a freaking 10. Yep. Can't wait for it to come out on DVD because I'm going to go buy it a bitch. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. But since that's the last one there mm-hmm. of Harold Ramis being part of the Ghostbusters still, and in the video game that I have for my PS3, it's the only time that he's actually there. Man, my screen is dirty again. I just cleaned this thing. Well, um, with um, them showing the 3D version of Harold Ramis, you actually see his hand first, then pins up to him. Slowly, though. Slowly. And I went, he was doing the paranormal part the whole time. To her. Then the other three are like, holy shit. We're seeing his ghost. But well, yeah, his character. As they're trying to uh, defeat Gozer and the Gazarian again. It was after they defeat it, they see it. They're, no, they, no, they're, they're seeing po- him. Their but- proton streams were still firing at her. But then when he finally showed up, you can, you can see the guy's eye, uh, Winston's eyes goes like, as he's holding, he's just like, <laughs> duh, 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 duh. It was like he had a malfunction with his head. I'm seeing a ghost. Then Dr. Vakeman is like kind of looking over quickly, but focusing more on Gozer. Mm-hmm. And then you see Ray look over real quick. He's like, huh? Just keeps going. It was like, okay, we'll do with this after. Let's blow the hell out of Gozer. <laughs> then you have Ray, Vakeman, Winston, Egon, and Phoebe. All in a row with the proton streams going at Gozer. Mm-hmm. And then Callie, which is the daughter of Egon, after she called him a nut job, a wacko, an asshole. She finally found out the truth that he's actually been tracking her and the two kids Mm -hmm. all that time. And then she finally said, I'm the asshole. (laughs) Yeah. And then she hits the all the freaking traps. Yep. Still wasn't working. The grandson... Which was the biggest doof of them all. 
through the whole damn thing. Mm -hmm. I, I really thought, I was like, really? He's a fucking pussy. Through yeah. The entire movie. Um, hey! Those two idiots. Um, the biggest pussy for through the whole damn movie, but finally got the idea to switch the seat over from Ecto-1, which is that slide open door like in 2, I think. I don't know. Blasted the, the um, oversized capacitors that were on the farm, and the mother steps on the freaking trap mechanism lever that looked like a pedal, and it just opened up, goes her in the... Uh, rest of the ghosts all into the traps that were laid all over the damn field. And then Ray looks over at Egon's ghost or spirit, as you want to call it, and apologizes. <laughs> and cries while he's apologizing. I'm like, holy crap. Vakeman and Zedmore just is like looking as like didn't say another word. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, come on, you two. You have to say something. But maybe four minutes later, Vakeman says, I knew you would show up. <laughs> Not as sarcastic as he was in 1 and 2 yeah. and in the video game. He was, like, really more laid back yeah. in the sarcasm department. And I was like... This is not the Dr. Vakeman I know. Ernie Hudson, a.k.a. Winston Zedmore, just kept on staring. <laughs> like, he's a ghost, but he can, he cannot be here. There's no way. <laughs> and it's like, wow. And then he talks to Phoebe. And then Phoebe's just like looking with a smile. Callie comes over, hugs her father. Not a word. I'm like, wait a second. He shows up as a spirit, helps Phoebe control the proton mm -hmm. stream, doesn't say anything to her, Except for smile and nod. Doesn't say anything to Ray. Doesn't say anything to Vakeman. Doesn't say anything to Winston. Doesn't say nothing to Callie except hugs. And then particles up in the air. How are you not going to make him say something? No. Hold on. The reason for... The 3D CGI of them is um, when we heard about Ghost Adventures Afterlife, it was actually supposed to. Um, you mean Ghostbusters Afterlife? That's what I mean. <laughs> Not Ghost when, Adventures Afterlife. <laughs> when it came out, um, when news came out of it, they had. Wrapped up um, the production, everything, 
in 2019. It was yeah. supposed to come out in 2020. But with the shit sandwich, it fucked it up. Yeah, I know. <clears throat> so, since they had the 3D version of him, the special effects guys, they knew he would be able to talk, but they would at least have his image. Yeah, I know that. But, see, he passed away in 2014. Yeah. That's when the whole thing started. In production, while he was still alive before he passed. Yeah. I figured that, at least in this new movie, that at the end he would actually speak to his daughter and his grandkids and to his buddies. Mm. And I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. I was hoping he would say to his buddies, I told you so. No. I was waiting for that. I'm like, oh, come on, say it. Say it. No. To the end of it, he didn't say nothing. I'm like, come on. <laughs> At least get him to say something. Are you going to make him a CGI after his death? Well, you've got to think about it this way. His character as a spirit, CGI'd, right. what probably was designed not to talk. Just the movements did the talking. A mute. Basically. Yeah, okay. A new way of sign language. That's what I was trying to tell you yesterday when we were waiting for the bus. After getting out, I told you. Yeah. It was going to be a CGI'd image of Harold Ramis. But, I even warned you ahead of time, don't be surprised, he doesn't talk. I know, I know. It went in one ear and out the other with you. Yeah, because I want to, I was thinking, no, he's going to speak. He's going to speak. He's going to tell nope. Ray, I told you so. Nope. <laughs> no, he didn't. She was right, and I got fucking screwed out of it. Like, bastards. Well, going back to um, the news article you've read on the last episode, yeah. live, that we did, where um, you read about um, some interviewer Asking them, is his ghost going to be there? Right. He actually meant a real ghost. Not a CGI image. Right. Out of respect for Harold. So, with Ackroyd getting pissed about it, but the way the, uh, the inter interviewer was asked the question... Mm -hmm. He realized he's asking if his ghost is actually going to be in it. Right. Not the image. Because they did the same thing for um, Belushi. Right. Slammer. <laughs> um, well, the fact that Dan already did say that Jim Belushi's face did look like a Slammer. Yeah, it did. So, he, he, that's where he got the idea to have Slammer in part one and two. Yeah, I know. 
I mean, at first, they had the image for Slimer before, before the special effects. Mm-hmm. But after they, the special effects of it was done, he went, holy shit, he looks like Belushi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like in the video game. Yeah. So, yeah. I can't wait for it to come out on DVD because I'm going to go buy the damn thing. The dog, the dogs looked really good. <laughs> oh yes, they were fucking huge. <laughs> oh yes, yes. What was his name? That was the teacher. Oh shit! I know his first name was Gary, but his last name I can't even say. No, not the, um, not the character name, but the actor playing it. Uh, Rudd. R- Paul no, Rudd. Rudd. It was funny seeing him walk into a Walmart. Oh! <laughs> I forgot, yeah. Walk, yeah, they actually had a Walmart in the damn movie. I was like, you have to be kidding me. This should be interesting. He walks in it, and you see the fucking light follow it. Follow him. No, 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 no. He didn't walk in. The light already came into the store. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just got there and he walked into the store. Due to the fact he had no windshield in his car. <laughs> he blew it out. <laughs> by opening up the ghost trap. I don't even know if he ever answered for the damages of the two school buses. I don't know. But he walks into Walmart. He goes to the ice cream freezer. Yeah. Picks out the ice cream. Which is like about this big. Goes to another aisle, grabs a, a topping. I forgot what the hell it was. It was blue something. I don't know. And he's like, this is going to be good. Walks down a little bit. You can hear a, a female scream very quickly like, ah! What the hell was that? Was like, oh, well. Walks by the marshmallows. <laughs> little marshmallow babies. <laughs> and then he hears the package poking. Stops, backs up, looks at it, and here comes Meanie Stay Puff Man. <laughs> a fucking wobbling, dozen of them. <laughs> wobbling, couldn't get his balance, smile, rub his eyes. It was like the fucking doughboy all over again, <laughs> but just a little fatter. Pokes him in his back, turns around, tries to poke him in his belly, and he bites him. <laughs> and the damn marshmallow bit him! <laughs> and then you see a bunch of these motherfuckers popping out of bags left and right. It was like, holy shit. Then, I don't know how the hell it happened, but you see these little marshmallow dudes <laughs> riding a fucking iRobot <laughs> in a Walmart store. I'm like, wait a second. Number one, Walmart never has one of those iRobots that no. actually work. They're a display. And you don't see a box rip open or anything. No. Just these little fuckers on the damn thing, riding it through, and then getting run over. One of them got run over and smushed like about a mile and a half wide. And then Paul Rudd comes around the corner, stops, camera goes over, and you see 
the dog. Eating a, out of a bag of dog food. <laughs> that dog food bag had to be at least 120 pounds worth of food. And he, this dog, it literally has its entire head in the damn bag. <laughs> and you can hear him going, oh, like he was getting a fucking hard on for dog food. I was like, you have to be kidding me. It went from Ghostbusters Afterlife to Ghostbusters Life Afterlife slash dog porno <laughs> with a dog food bag. I'm like, holy crap. Dog lifts little, its head. Then these little fuckers come out of, with the Roomba or iRobot, hits Paul's foot, the dog stops eating. Mm-hmm. Camera pans back over the dog. The dog pulls his head out very slowly from the dog food. You Looks see the over. full head. <laughs> you see the head. You see the fucking horns. The, the ears, eyes. The eyes are darker red. Like they were supposed to be in the first one, but they finally got it straight. Mm -hmm. Looks over at Rudd. Rudd's looking at him. He's got ice cream in one hand. <laughs> the topping in the other. Dog growls at him. Or was it a roar? It's more of a growl. Then Paul Rudd threw something at it and made him growl. Threw his ice cream and <laughs> topping at the dog. And all you heard was off the dog's forehead. Then he starts running. <laughs> Paul's running his ass away from the thing as fast as he could out the door. I'm like, oh, you're fucked. <laughs> You don't even hear the claws of the dog on the freaking no. floor of Walmart and just <laughs> right through the glass doors. Now, mind you, only two out of the four glass doors were destroyed. Mm -hmm. The other one stayed the same. Then you see Rudd flying over the hood of the car into the car. Oh, he was and then, <laughs> and then this dog's just right there, standing on his hood of his car. Breaks the wheels, breaks the engine. <laughs> and then the next thing you hear is the two tires going, <laughs> Cars lowering down the front to where the bottom of the nose is touching the ground. Dog standing up like this. He looks down like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> oh, well. And Paul Rudd becomes the dog. Yep. Then the, the mother does. The gatekeeper. Then the kids get home and everything. And Mommy... Becomes the other one. Is the other Zool. guy. Zool. Yeah. She's sitting in her father's chair where he died in the beginning of the movie. Chanting. She's just whispering the chant. Unlike the first part, you could actually hear the chant. This one, you can mm. barely hear the chant. Looks over at the kids and snarls at them. Eyes bright red. And she's just panting. I thought, she was, I thought she, the pant she was doing was a fucking gerbil. Riding <laughs> on the wheel going... I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so 
So she jumps out the window and she's just galloping like a fucked up horse with a dildo up its ass. I'm like, come on, lady. You've practiced this how many times? You should at least have the running padded down. No. But it was awesome. And then the he, outfit was good, though. Yeah. I'm like, she oh! Just, she's got this plaid checker shirt on. And I think it was blue jeans. Blue jeans. Blue that, jeans. And morphs. And then she just grabs her shirt and just rips the whole thing off. And you see the And then the you dress. got this dress that was gold. It was hot. Shigori <laughs> Weaver had the red version. This mm. woman, Callie, had the gold version, and it was weird, because she just grabbed the shirt. Now, the plaid shirt is not attached to the jeans. No. It's just, rip the shirt off, you should still have the jeans there. No. The shirt and the jeans came off at once, and then you just see this freaking gold dress. I was like... That's fucking cool. That was way past the 10 on that. I give that like a 20. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow. Did the rip of uh, Shandor in half? <laughs> Gozer the Gazarian and Shandor face-to-face. Shandor is selling it. Welcome back. You and I are quested to rule this world. That's one. That's one. <laughs> She just rips Shandor in half. I'm like, damn! <laughs> I didn't see that coming. I did. <laughs> just by the way she was walking to it. <laughs> walking what to him, do? he's doing his spiel. And I'm like, the look she's giving you doesn't say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Next thing you know, <laughs> <laughs> my mouth hit the floor, my eyes came out, and I was like, what the hell just happened? I started laughing. <laughs> Shandor is her master. Nope. <laughs> Supposedly. And she just ripped the motherfucker in half. I'm like, <coughs> wow. <coughs> that blew me off my chair. Well, remember, Gozer um, was actually the god. Shandor was basically the puppet, thinking he was going to become a god. Well, everything that Shandor did... Yeah. He... Gozer was one of his followers. <laughs> okay. And due to the fact that Shandor was known as the architect... Yeah. He, he did um, the library. Mm-hmm. He did the museum. He did Dan Bear's place. Yeah. He also did um, the mining. Yeah. And a few other places that we still don't know of yet. But I know there's going to be more stories on that. Oh, yeah. And it's just like she just rips him in half. It was like, <laughs> you just ripped your master into two. That's, his, that's her way of saying... I don't need you. Wow. I'm a god. <laughs> so, yeah. The movie, a big-ass 10. Yeah. Comes out on DVD, I'm getting it. Yeah. But yet, I also have some more stories of Ghostbusters Afterlife. 
that mm -hmm. I have. Um, I also have go something about Ghostbusters 3's ending. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how they're going to put Chris Pratt into it. Chris Pratt? Yes. I don't know about that. And then there's a first look at Ghostbusters Afterlife deleted scenes and new Easter eggs in it. Uh. Outside of Jason Rittman reveals his five favorite Easter eggs of the movie. I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. Well, the ending of Ghostbusters Afterlife was the setup for... Yes, Ghostbusters 4, which Ernie Hudson was already talking about before the movie was actually released, which I still don't know why he did that. That was one. actually the Easter egg. And so I still have that story. He's like, oh, we're going to take you home and fix you. You yeah. see the fucking Manhattan, New York bridge. Yeah, I'm like, that, there's part four. Enacto one bright white sirens going, just driving over the Manhattan Bridge. Cop cars behind Ma it. Back into Manhattan. And I'm like, okay, what Ghostbusters for he's already started talking about that before the movie came out. Now it's gonna get interesting. Arter is Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, and Ernie Hudson. Mm-hmm going to restart the crew again mm -hmm. and incorporate Egon's family members into four mm -hmm. and any positive Shikoni Weaver come back oh, yeah. or is it just going to be a hell of a cliffhanger <laughs> that's the question so I'm still going to do more research on that before I even read anything about Ghostbusters 4. But anything else that has to do with Easter eggs of the afterlife or Ghostbusters 3, I'll, I'll keep doing that and talk about it until I get more information about why Ernie Hudson is talking about 4 already. So that's going to be interesting. Mm. Okay. My first story. Hocus Pocus 2. Bed Midler celebrating her birthday on set. I don't know if it's the article. Just to let you guys know, I saw this story last night as well, and I was like, holy crap. Uh-huh. Sent it to Paralore, told her about it, and I cannot wait for the reaction. <laughs> Let's see. Bette Midler is 76 years old. Celebrated her 76th birthday by singing songs with the cast and crew on the set for Hocus Pocus 2 in Rhode Island. 
Um, let me see. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to play it. There's something on here. I don't think that's it. Oh, well, maybe it is. Do you need me to jump in? Hang on. You can hear singing. <laughs> Somebody obviously was recording it on Instagram, but you can hear something being sound, but I couldn't make out if it was her. Did the fact that she has a distinct voice. Right. Um... Okay. Uh, Bed Midler marked her 76th birthday on the set of Hocus Pocus 2, singing songs with the cast and crew. Midler's glittering career is, is rooted in music. With the performer cutting her teeth in the New York City musical theater scene. After chewing up Broadway and subsequently releasing several hit studio albums, Midler made her film debut in the 1979's The Rose. Basically, Paramike was two years old then. From there, the multi- Hypenates, full po star power, was released as she effortlessly transcended mediums. Midler reached Halloween icon status, Hocus Pocus in 93, which saw her playing the head witch of the Sanderson sisters alongside Kathy Nejimi. And Sarah Jessica Parker. Fans were filled with glee when it was announced in 2020, that's your shit sandwich, that Midler and her co-leads were returning nearly three decades later for part two. With the proposal, director Ann Fletcher at the helm the production transformed Rhode Island into Salem and has been filming through the fall. Diehard Disney lovers, not really me, but have gathered to 
catch glimpses at the highly anticipated set leaking various sneak peeks online. Where's the fucking security? Someone explain that to me. Um, let me take a drink here. I don't know where the hell Paramike went. Um, something's wrong with that. Disney lovers gathered to catch glimpses at the highly anticipated Hocus Pocus 2 set leaking various sneak peeks online. So, I'm asking you the question. Where the fuck's the security guards? That's a good question I don't have the answer to. Because every place that's set for a movie or TV show, it's always blocked off. Yeah. And there's fucking security guards all over the place. Oh, yeah. Where you can't even leak shit. Yeah, I know. The reason why I left because I had to go scold a little one. Oh. Hocus Pocus 2, How the Sanderson Sisters Can Return. Hocus Pocus Guide. Shared a special moment from a night shoot Wednesday, December 1st. Saying... Midler saying in her 76th birthday... By tirelessly working on set. But it seems the entire team paused to shower her with love. In true Midler fashion, the cast and crew broke into song to honor their leading lady. Uh, the video captures the set bursting into... Oh, stupid song. For she's a jolly good fellow. Could you pick something else? Regarding her? I didn't know she was a dude. Well, there's the male, jolly good fellow. Right. There's also the female, which is the same thing. Give mm. me the same thing. Okay. In the powerhouse's honor, they end by erupting with applause... And cheering and roaring cheers for Midler, who appears to say something afterward, though it's not clear. I think we figured that out. A consummate performer, she certainly deserves the musical praise. At 76 years old, Midler has been enduring long shoot days, gravity defined stunts meaning wires, and flashy musical numbers on the Halloween flick. On top of that, filming during a pandemic has added even more time-consuming protocols to the docket. No shit! Being number one on the call sheet is a grueling process, especially on chilly Rhode Island nights, but the star has powered through. What did you do? My microphone cable came out. 
it's clear Midler is powered by pure passion. No matter the project, she is a talent that seems to remain grateful for getting to live her dream, and it shines through her roles. Over the decades since first Hocus Pocus was filmed, Midler has gushed about her love for playing Winifred and hoped for a follow-up. Now that it's finally happening with her two OG sisters in tow, she is much, most likely on Cloud Nine. And when Hocus Pocus 2 finally releases Disney+, Plus, fans will float up to Cloud Nine. Hocus Pocus 2 can deliver on the original Dark Origin draft. This is interesting. Um, let me see. Uh, let me see here. I already did that one. Um, the things Hocus Pocus 2 needs in order to succeed. Um, January 16th, 1993, the original Hocus Pocus, starring Bette Midler, Kathy Nejimy, and Sarah Jessica Parker, as the back from the dead Sanderson sisters made its way to theaters. Although it wasn't a smash hit upon its initial release, it has grown in popularity so much over the years that in October 2019, it was announced that a sequel was in development to be released on the streaming service Disney+. Plus. Nailing a sequel can be difficult, especially after such a long gap. The original fans have grown up and had children who, presumably, have become fans also. Who knows, there could be grandkids who love Hocus Pocus also. That means a sequel has to please multiple generations of moviegoers who all love the first film for their own personal reasons. So how should the filmmakers go about doing that? What elements from the first film should be carried over? And what new elements should be introduced to help the premise feel just as rejuvenated as the Sanderson sisters themselves? That's the question. Well, come as we take the... Th I'm not saying the word. Um, well, I'm actually going to have to say it this way. Come as we take the away to determine exactly what Hocus Pocus 2 needs in order to succeed with fans new and old in fall of this coming year. Hocus Pocus needs the original cast. They already have that. For the, for the witches, of course. 
The chemistry between them is... Okay, hold on. I can't skip that here. A major part of any film's success is its casting. The original Hocus Pocus hit the jackpot when it landed three legends. Ben Midler, Kathy Nejimy, and Sarah Jessica Parker as its witches. Um... Hold on. The chemistry between them is undeniable. Um, this damn fucking ad keeps fucking me up here. The chemistry between them is undeniable as they play off one of one of the other with the natural ease of a long-time comedy trio. Making a new Hocus Pocus without them would be pointless. Likely, as seen during Disney+, Plus, all three have returned for the sequel. What about the rest of the original cast? We entered this magical version of Salem Mass... Through the eyes of Los Angeles transplant, Ma Max, Aubrey Katz, his relationship with his annoying sister, Danny, Thora Birch, and his desperation to, to impress his crush, Allison, Vanessa Shaw, I wonder if she's related to Robert Shaw, are what drove that film. Those three three actors are just as crucial as Midler, Nijimi, and Parker to what made the original film work. Uh, while it, it was confirmed that the brilliant Douglas Jones, don't ask, who played Alf Winifred Sanderson's resurrected ex-lover, Billy Butcherson, will be returning. The role he, he'll be playing is still, at time of writing, a mystery. Although we're willing to bet he'll be reprising his undead role. Unfortunately, no other members of the original cast have been officially confirmed yet. As great as it is to have some old family favorites back it would be wonderful to catch up with max denny and allison all these years later i think those three actors could stay the fuck out away from it even why want to slap the shit out of the fucking girl we hope the sequel has strong new characters Um, I don't know why this is referenced, but okay. If Star Wars The Force Awakens taught us anything, it's the importance of a new cast of characters that can hold their own when standing beside established legacy characters. These new characters serve as entry points for younger audiences 
and fresh eyes to re-enter the world that longtime fans already love. If Hocus Pocus 2 is going to succeed, it's going to need to introduce characters that are unfamiliar at first, but by the end become accepted parts of the world. The inclusion of comedy greats like Tony, Tony Hale, Arrested Development, and Veep, Sam Richardson, Veep, and Detroiters, don't know who that is, um, singer and actress Hannah Waddingham from Ted Lasso, proved that the sequel has brought on care actors who are more than capable of delivering unquestionable strong performances. If their characters are those to be played by young actors, Whitney Peake, Lilia Beckingham, and Belissa Escobedo can be embraced with the same love and affection as Max, Denny, and Allison, and Thackeray Binks, that's Zachary. Why do they have Zachary? I like to know. The black cat from the original. The there's an ex excellent chance that the sequel could live on just like its predecessor. Okay. The end of the original. Zachary Binks is a fucking human spirit. After the witches are put down. So how the fuck would they have that character try to come back? He's already fucking dead, reunited with his fucking sister. <laughs> to, it should tell a new story. Pocus Pocus 2? I agree. Hocus Pocus is about a kid named Max, who's upset because his family has moved from L.A., Los Angeles, a place he loved, to Salem, Mass., a place he hates. Uh, I hate the whole fucking state. After being forced to take his little sister, Denny, out trick-or-treating, he encounters Allison, a girl he likes from school. Allison is way into the town's history and mentions her mother used to work at the Sanderson House Museum, which is now closed down. To try to press her, Max suggests they visit the museum, where he, a virgin, shocking, lights the, a mystical object called the Black Flame Candle. This brings the dead Sanderson sisters back to life for one night. Unless they can steal souls from enough children to keep them young. Retelling that same story with new characters is the wrong way to go. Agreed. Fans have seen it already. In fairness, basically making the same movie over and over, it can work. Just look at the majority of Friday the 13 sequels. That's not anywhere near 
Hocus Pocus 2. Why the fuck is that referenced? It could have been worse. They could have gone with Chucky. Which is another thing I forgot to say earlier. Hold on. But those movies were cracked out every year. Constantly giving audiences their slasher movie fix. Some Hocus Pocus fans watch this movie every Halloween. So if they want to see the same story again, all they need to do is pop in their copy or pull up Disney+. Plus. Going to the effort of filming an entire movie that's basically a remake would be incredibly unnecessary. If you're going through the effort of making a sequel, make sure it's a new story. Hocus Pocus 2 needs to expand the mythology. Meaning, the book. In the original Hocus Pocus, the only way the Sanderson sisters are going to survive Halloween night is if they properly complete the spell that will allow them to devour the souls of children. However, they've been dead for 300 years. In Winifred, the oldest, can't remember the spell off the top of her head. They need her book. The one with an actual eyeball in it, as it contains all of her spells. The only problem is, the kids who brought them back stole the book and have no intention of letting the witches get their hands on it. That book must contain a lot of history. It spells that fans would make would find fascinating. A sequel would be an excellent time to dig into that book and find out what other secrets are hidden within. Not just because it would be neat but because it helps expand it. Great sequels like Empire Strikes Back, <gasps> The Godfather Part 2, yeah. and Terminator 2, Judgment yeah. Day, all made strides to build on the world an eternal mythology that we already knew. Showing us more of Salem's history and filling in more details regarding how magic works in this universe would only deepen and enrich the mythology, thus justifying the sequel's existence. A bigger and better musical number. Just about halfway through the original film, the Samson sisters find themselves in a gymnasium full of costumed adults pottering partying on Halloween night. Winifred and her sisters perform a fun elaborate musical number there. The song they sing is Winifred's own interpretation of the twisted screaming Jay Hawkins classic I Put a Spell on You. With lyrics referencing what's going on in the story. Not only was this a chance for director Kenny Ortega of High School Musical fame to get legendary status 
legendary stage performer, Bette Midler, to do her thing. But it serves as a narrative purpose. By the performance's end, all the, do all the adults are under her spell, hypnotized to dance all night, thus keeping them out of her way. The scene is a real standout and is memorable. That in last year's shit sandwich, Ben Midler, Kathy Nejimi, and Sarah Jessica Parker performed it again, virtually, in character for the New York Resurrection Project. It's part of the film's DNA, not including a similar sequence in the sequel would be like an action film without a car chase. Okay, I can kind of see that narrative. However, it can't simply be the same sequence all over again. It needs to be a new song that's just as catchy and spooky, with choreography that's even bigger and better to really wow the audience. Make it worth our time by creating something audiences are expecting to see in a way that surprises them. It's got to have the Halloween atmosphere. The origins of Halloween may stretch back centuries, but the traditional images that many modern audiences associate with the world's best holiday often come from beautiful animal imagery. Green leaves change into orange and red. Foreboding gusts of wind signaling the approach of winter. Pumpkins carved into scary faces and lit by candles. These are all present in the original Hocus Pocus and Dead Some. Streets are full of candy-hungry kids in costume. Houses are perfectly decorated. And Salem's history is present in almost every scene. This film looks, sounds, and feels more like Halloween than the actual Halloween itse holiday itself. Which is one of the, perhaps, underestimated elements that also makes it timeless. Living up to that is going to be difficult. However, if the sequel has any hope of comparing to the original, let alone surpassing it, the filmmakers must, cre must make creating a tangible Halloween atmosphere one of their top priorities. Even if it's a brand new compelling story with wonderful characters, we instantly take our hearts without atmosphere that seems to envelope the audience. Something about it will feel off. Fill those frames with jack-o'-lanterns, trick-or-treaters, old architecture, and gorgeous fall leaves, and many a Hocus Pocus fan will feel right at home. Limited callbacks, please. If there's one thing that would take an audience out of a follow-up, 
is one of their favorite movies faster of their favorite movies faster than the the mediocre rehash of the original plot it's an overabundance of callbacks constantly referencing a movie they already know and love robs them of a brand new experience set in the same world filmmakers do you really want to keep reminding people that at any moment they could stop watching your new movie and just go back to the original again? Some callbacks and references make sense in the same world, after all. People reference events that happened in their past all the time. So if Sarah, Sarah Anderson, Jessica, Sarah Jessica Parker, makes a joke about Max no longer being a virgin, that's fine. What you don't want is Sarah running around saying amok, amok, amok over and over again. Nor do you want to see the plot beats redone with a joke twist. I agree. Callbacks like that, like that especially when overly relied on, prevent the new film from standing on its own. Again, if fans want to hear their favorite lines, they could go watch the first one. I agree. It should take place in Salem. Part of the fun with the original film is knowing that it takes place in a real location with real history. As opposed to some whimsical fantasy world. Salem, Mass is obviously a place with deep history related to witchcraft. And most people don't know the people that created Salem were witches. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? Although that passed is dark and truly horrible things happened and perfectly to perfect perfectly innocent people the town has embraced its history instead of denying what happened they acknowledge it and they condemn it while celebrating those who defy who identify as witches <sighs> anyway Yes, before anybody asks the question, my family ancestors were part of Salem too. Sounds like a double-edged sword. It is. Mm -mm -mm. Well, we got one like from Debbie. Debbie. Uh, Norgad, Norgrat. I don't know. Let me see. You know our. Norgard. Thank you. Yeah. She's one of my one of my girls. Yeah, she gave us a thumbs up on Facebook. <laughs> None of this is discussed in too much detail in Hocus Pocus, but the beauty and history of the town is almost another character in the movie. Much of the film was shot on location all around Massachusetts. <laughs> With 
Salem serving as the epicenter. Not only did choosing to film there had a Halloween atmosphere, add, sorry, add a Halloween atmosphere, but it also added to the relability to the, to the film it may not have otherwise had. Unlike Haddonfield and Halloween, or the Epinus Halloween Town, from the Disney Channel franchise, you could go and visit the real town. In fact, there are a number of tours that you will that will take you around the film's locations. Although Hocus Pocus 2 will utilize locations in Rhode Island, it would be a mistake to not at least give some modern day footage of Salem. Agreed. Hocus Pocus 2 needs John Debney. Who the fuck is John Debney? The musical score is the soul of a film. Just remember, just hearing a recognizable snippet from a theme to your favorite movie can put you right in the action of the story without the need of any images. Who hasn't heard the opening notes to John Williams, John's, John Williams, Williams's Raiders of the Lost Ark? theme and felt like they could take a dozen Nazis with a bullwhip. <laughs> the same holds true for composer John Debney's score for Hocus Pocus. Okay, so he made the score for it originally. <coughs> it has the enchanting vocals you might expect from Danny Elfman and the swashbuckling excitement an adventurous spirit often delivered by Williams and Alan Silvestri the theme played over the, the opening titles alone is enough to transport you back to Salem in 1993 when someone as talented as Debney clearly puts their all into a piece of work like this, you walk away with something that's that would have left the original film feeling hollow if it weren't there. While there are a number of excellent film composers out there who are doing truly extraordinary things, Debney needs to come back for Hocus Pocus 2. It just wouldn't be the same without him. David Kirshner's involvement would in, would ensure a new classic. Not only does he does he work with Domicini and Chucky, he's also does Disney work. Without producer David Kirshner, there would be no Hocus Pocus. I agree. As discussed during an excellent interview with the Big Seance Project. Kirshner explains that Hocus Pocus began as stories he would tell his daughters. 
He th he then worked with writers like Matt Garris and Neil Cuthbert to turn the idea into what we know and love today. But it originated in his brilliant Halloween loving mind. Kirshner has been responsible and partially responsible for so many films and television many of us grew up to get loving. Why am I delayed? I have no clue. What are you doing over there? Just going through my email, that's all. Um, for example, he was the president of Hannah Barbara. Yes, the same company that um, all Scooby-Doo cartoons. And he created the animated masterpiece, The American Tale, meaning Fievel. Plus, it's not only his longevity in the entertainment industry itself that proves he's a valuable asset to Hocus Pocus 2, but his long association with Child's Play and Chucky franchise as a producer, executive producer, along with Child's Play creator Don Mancini, Kirshner has made sure that those films and the current series in sci-fi is always moving forward, forward, sorry, and never getting stale. I agree. According to IMDb, Kirshner is serving as an executive producer on Hocus Pocus 2. But we hope he's really intimately involved with the film. It's that would ensure the sequel is worth your time. Hocus Pocus 2 needs a, a, a whole lot of heart. Yes, Hocus Pocus is a funny, slightly spooky Halloween romp with camp, campy antagonists, a big mu musical number, and holiday and beings galore. However, none of that would have meant anything if it didn't have a beating heart at the center of it. When you really think about it, the original Hocus Pocus is a film about siblings. The witches are sisters. Zachary Banks was turned into a cat as punishment for trying to save his sister. And then there's Max and Danny. It's their relationship in the film is trying to repair. The film to the West Coast has disappointed Max. Oh, wait, no, to film. Sorry. The move to the, to the West Coast has disappointed Max so much that he's gone full teen angsty and wants nothing to do with the new town or his annoying sister. She was annoying. Yet, there are moments where we catch a glimpse of how supportive and loving their relationship used to be. By being an idiot and lighting the black flame candle, 
Max has put his sister and every child in Salem in danger. He realizes what a selfish and distant big brother he's been. It spends the rest of the film making up for it. We don't necessarily need another sibling story for Hocus Pocus 2 to succeed, but we do need heart. Although, not some ironic self-aware heart where characters are commenting on how sentimental they're being. Commit to it. Make a film that makes us laugh, gets us out of our seats with excitement, it makes us feel a little sappy, just like the first one did. Um, let's see. That's it for that one. Um. What the hell am I looking at my email now? Just came across, came into the email. That was sent to our email for the show. And, oh, shit! And I don't know what it was for, so I Hold just on. did what I did and sent it to you. Asking Wait. you the question. It just Wait. said, hello, dear. That was it. So when that uh, came in, I just typed a little message underneath it and sent it to you. Hold on. From the Haunted Museum. The Haunted Museum fanid. I think this supposed to be fan ID. Fan ID. Okay. I wonder. Yeah, because all it said was the Haunted Museum, hello dear, and then I just forwarded it to you and I said... This just came into the email address. Did you send a message to this address? It's what I'm. It's what I sent to you. Cause I have no clue what that's supposed to mean. Hold on. Um. Let me see here first. Um. I'll have to look at it later. Because remember, I said um, to you earlier that out of the shot of the dark, I commented something on Zach Beggins. Yes. To his Twitter. Yes, Because I, I had to reply that. to it, and it went to him because of the highlight. Right. I'm hoping this is him, but I don't know yet. So I'm gonna have to look. Yeah. Look at my Twitter later. Yeah. That's that's why I, I just said it came in and I forwarded it to you and asked that question. I know. <laughs> that's all. Uh, um Let's see. Um I think we did enough movies movie emails for now. Um Trying to think here. Something about Screen Rant. Nightmare on Elm Street reboot. 
trying to remember if I said um, that. No, I found. You found that? Hold on. Yeah, I found it. Okay. Found that. No, wait. No, you sent it to me. I did? Okay. Um, where are we at? Time-wise. Okay. Um, I'm going to take a breather. I need a cigarette. I'm thirsty. <laughs> I have a snack uh, next to me to hold me over. Why is my phone buzzing? I have no clue. Oh, just uh, Jade. Ah! She's working right now. Uh-oh. Oh, that's not a bad thing. She'll watch it after she gets home. Oh, okay, cool. Because I included the, the YouTube channel. Ah. If she has... If anyone has any problems trying to watch the video on Facebook when we're done, YouTube's there. You can watch it anytime on YouTube if mm -hmm. Facebook gives you any problems. Oh, yeah, definitely. In fact, Facebook's been pissing a lot of people off. More. Oh, yeah, they've been pissing me off a lot. And I'll go over that another time on my other YouTube channel that I have going. Um, I already got one video up there so far. But I forgot to get the address to post in the in the descriptions below for you guys to go check over that one. Um, that's basically behind the scenes and stuff that I do every day, seven days a week, and only choose when I want to take a day off. And it just shows you a little bit of what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. So White Parallel is going to take a break. Well, before that. What do you think on what I've read so far for Hocus Pocus 2? What would work that needs to be for part two? Well, you did mention that they're talking about bringing something into Hocus Pocus 2 from Hocus Pocus 1. Yeah. And it's like, why? Well... Why would you want to bring from... Something from Hocus Pocus 1 into Hocus Pocus 2 when it should be something entirely different. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of examples of that from what I was reading. The song, you put, you put a spell on me. Yeah, that's iconic. Yeah, and everybody does their everybody own version the of the stupid thing. song. Not only that, so did I. Because I had to fucking do it for Adina. Don't ask. Trust me, don't ask. I was I only did it for her fucking birthday one time. I was not going to ask. <laughs> I was Trust me. people not to ask. It's just that so many people that fell in love with that goofy song has reiterated to something more newer. Yeah. And it's like the last time I ever heard that song was not from Hocus Pocus 2. Yeah. But a bunch of four women called Broken Peach that's done that song their way. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. It's like every song that comes out 
they will do a different rendition of it. Yeah, it's like a parody. When there's an old song, like back in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s that were popular. Yeah. People are going back, taking that song and redoing it a different way. Nothing wrong with that. And I'm like, come on. It's nothing wrong with that. But if I remember um, the fucking Disney series um, Descendants, where that um, that kid that died of a yeah. seizure, who played um, what the fuck is her name? Um, the son of Coella Deville. The two, the three leading girls in it. Um, the one that played Maleficent's daughter. Okay. The one that played um, the evil queen's daughter, the stepmother from Snow White, mm. and uh, Ursula's daughter. Yeah. They actually did. Um, I put a spell on you after the third movie was done. Yeah. They were good at it, but there's the one problem. Everybody in the fucking audience were booing them. Yeah, I know. Because they wanted the originals. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Dove, Cameron, whatever her name is. Mm -hmm. She was good doing Winifred's version. Due to the fact that's kind of, that's how she dressed for Winifred. Right. But if you're going to do... The whole fucking thing. Do it right. Yeah, I know. Put the fucking red red wig on or dye your hair. Yeah, I know. I mean, I just pulled it up here by by Broken Peach. Let me see the photo. I don't know if I can do it. Let's see. Because, I mean, the one Ben Midler did, shit, that kicked uh, that song back into popularity. Because she did it. Okay, that's what the that's what it looks like. What the fuck? Yeah. Oh, okay. See the first one on top. I don't top listen are, to these stupid people. Stupid. The first features. one on top here is the one where they mentioned the 1956 song written by Jay Hawkins. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and mentioned Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What year? 1956. Okay. And then they have this version here, where they were like a bit of a concert. Uh-huh. On a, on a TV uh, performance show, whatever. A year ago. Yeah. Okay, I've heard of these bitches, but I don't listen to them. Yeah. They I even... mean, they're goth. They're female singers, but they're goth-themed. But not in a good way. Not necessarily. <laughs> they are they are all over the place. No shit, they're all I over mean, the place. They got this one here. Um, let's see if I can scroll down here. Oops. They got Tainted, Tainted Love. Love. Yeah. Oh fuck! I'm trying to remember who did Tainted Love. It was way back. No. 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 no it had to been. Ed Cobb. Okay. Another 80s. 
the four uh, preps. Then they did a CeeLo Green's version. Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, but in a, like a diner stage. Um, that's supposed to be the main cover uh-huh. from it from a year ago. Then they did the Tim Burton's This is Halloween. Nightmare. Yeah. With um, Jack. Yeah, I know. But majority of their covers of songs that already exist, majority of them are goths-themed. Yeah, most of them. Then you got Grease. Yeah. You got Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Which will probably be playing crazily. Then they got White Stripes versus Backstreet Boys, and they combined both songs into one. Then they got my favorite group, Earth, Wind, and Fire, September. Yeah. Which I'm not too big on the the song September by Earth, Wind, and Fire, but. Yeah, I know. Still. Then they got the Tina Turner version, Proud Mary. Corpse Bride. Remains of the Day. That's from the movie. Yeah. Mamma Mia. Yeah. Look at the outfit she's got for that. Well, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to knock the outfit from Mamma Mia that yeah. the chick is wearing. Because that's the outfit style for that musical. Yeah. And then they got... Take on me, oh. an oldie. Yeah, I know. I forget who did that because even though that's a one-hit wonder. Yeah. Um, let's see, they got Ray Charles hit the road, Jack. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Let's see. They did one from the Black Eyed Peas. I got a feeling. Yeah. Cindy Lopper's version, Girls Wanna Have Fun, and I Wanna Dance with Somebody, Whitney Houston, combined yeah. together. They got Personal Jesus, an oldie. Okay, that's enough. I've seen enough. So it's like, holy crap. So. <laughs> well, outside of the song, I put a spell on you. Vip Midler... When she did it, it got put back into being popular. Yeah. I agree that cemented it with the original Hocus Pocus, but a new song or songs bigger and more for for something new, I agree. They should do a different song. Mm-hmm. Or songs, no matter how, I don't know how many they got in there. The song Sarah Jessica Parker sings, um, Come Little Children. I'm hoping to everything that's holy and not holy, that's not in there. I mean, if you know. The first verse and the other verse that she sings in it, you get the feel that it's not what it seems. Just by how she's doing the spell with the song. 
if you actually know the goddamn song from A to Z, mm-hmm. it's not a kid's song for no, a Halloween-themed fucking kid's movie. No, it's a Christmas theme. And it means kids, but there's that fucking death thing in it. Yeah, I know. I know. But see, that song is a Christmas theme. I know. It's originally... does not work in, in Halloween themes, but it works in Christmas themes. So that's where I have an issue with the movie, and that's why I gave the entire movie Hocus Pocus a big fat zero. <laughs> what the hell? What? Um, what? I don't know. Shit's going nuts. I didn't react until I saw you go, what the fuck? Well, this screen <laughs> shut off. Huh? I said that my screen shut off. Okay. The battery indicator. Shut down and it came back on and now my printer's going nuts. <laughs> well Oh, no wonder. What? Monkey's pulling that damn power supply out of the wall. <laughs> I'll be right back. Patches. God damn it. <laughs> Not paranormal, just our cat with the printer. Um one thing I know mainly about the song. Come, little children. Before it was the song, it was a fucking poem. It was a poem. Stop laying on the fucking wires, you idiot. Originally, I forget who the poet was that wrote it. But the poem is the actual song that Sarah Jessica Parker sings in it. They only they take out majority of the fucking song just certain parts due to fact you got the witchcraft spell casting with the main verse with the main verses but if you listen to come little children from beginning to end yeah it's a christmas theme how i don't know but it it does talk about kids in one sense but if you think about it it can mean all ages and it's basically death cuz you got the first so- parts of the song you don't hear it you hear that it's almost like a magical tune yeah but the verse, Oh, come, little children, for life is this way. One, kids, guess what? Death happens. Two, everybody dies. <laughs> yeah. That's life. I'm not laughing about it, but that's the fucking meeting. That's life. That's the true fucking meeting. Yeah. Disney, okay, I can get why they only put took a portion of that for Sarah Jessica Parker to literally sing. Mm-hmm. I get that, but 
if you know your shit, and I'm pretty sure Disney knew about it, but doesn't mean you take out only a couple, take out half, and just keep the beginning ones of it. Mm. Doesn't escape the fact what it really means. I know, because I proved Alex wrong on that one many times. I had a headache for three months straight. Are you kidding? Richie thought I was funny. Of course he did. Well, one, he knew I was right. Two, he knew Alex hated being being proved wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, doing... I put a spell on you, literally dressed as fucking Winifred. I only did it for my niece. Alex's daughter. I only right. did it for her. Right. One, it was her birthday. There's a plenty of things I had to do for her over the years. The other p- thing I had to do was come little children. She didn't know the whole fucking meeting. Mm. Just, oh, it's in the movie. I went, sweetheart, if I do it, you're not going to like that song afterwards. <laughs> Just by the way it means. Yeah, you scared the hell out of her. Well, I was doing the singing. The scaring was her father. Well, he was scary anyways. So. <laughs> but when scary I got done, when I got done, my niece hated that song after that. Mm-hmm. I said, this is why I didn't want to do it. Um, and I went, I wasn't scaring you. She goes, no, dad was. <laughs> I went, honey, he's scary in the mornings. He's scary 24-7. Um, I go, you really want to see something scary? She's like, yeah. What's really act- actually really scary? Seeing your Uncle Richie in the morning without fucking coffee in him. Then it's sca- that's scary. <laughs> she thought I was kidding until the next day. <laughs> yeah, his hair looked like he stuck his finger in an electric shock and it was like... <sniffs> that was when Richie started shaving his head. No. No. He had hair. But when he woke up, he was scary as shit. Cause his <laughs> head, he looked like he stuck his finger in a light socket in his hair and I... <laughs> All over the place, he comes out of her bedroom. Uh, no, I meant... No, I meant... Scary as in... If you didn't have coffee in him... You'd be, you'd be afraid of him by the way he talks. If he doesn't have coffee in him... He's automatically... He's automatically pissy. Yeah, yeah. This, I just... An example I could say... Alex forgot he ran out of cigarettes one night. The next morning... Before Richie could even sit down... And drink his coffee... To wake up... Alex walks into the kitchen and goes... Hey bro, can I get a cigarette? One of the many times... I had to stop him from killing him. <laughs> And Adina 
She remembered that. She's like, yeah, Uncle Richie is scarier. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good thing she she hasn't seen you without your Pepsi. (laughs) She has. No, she has, but... Not like uh, I have. Well, no. (laughs) Well, she's seen me without Pepsi before. She wasn't bothered by it. Um, the meaning for Hocus Pocus 2 to have heart into it, I do agree. I mean, the original, it had heart in it. The emphasis of it. Because it's sibling related. Mm. This part, this part, um, for Hocus Pocus 2, you, in a way, have the sibling element. The Sanderson sisters. There's that element. For a heart element for a movie like that, you're going to have... You need to have something where it originates with some, with people on a related... Uh, on a reality-based type of, type of feel. Um, in the original, yeah, Sanderson sisters, siblings. Zachary Banks, uh, his little sister, sibling. He's trying to save her. Mm-hmm. Um, Max, his sister, they, in a way, hated each other. One. His sister's a kid. He's a, he's a teenager. Uh-huh. They don't mesh very well. Which, there was that element. Siblings, not all siblings, get along. And sub-siblings, they hate the other. And they wish they weren't around. Uh-huh. Much like my twin brothers. They wish either one of them wasn't around. Richie, Richie, most of the time, wished Alex was never around, and vice versa. Yeah. When it came to me. Um, but, in a way, part Hocus Pocus 2, it needs a heart element, but not another sibling element. Mm. I mean, I get the for the main one, because that's a setup for why. For who, what, why, and when. And how? But nowhere. Again, th- yeah. For that, if that's put in for Hocus Pocus 2 again, it better be a good goddamn one. Um, but anyway, you go ahead. Alright. Well, I got a paranormal story here. And it has to deal with ectoplasm. Ectoplasm. Yes. Okay. Ectoplasm and the bizarre world of spiritualists. And, of course, there's about 30 slides. Yeah. Um, we have written before about the tricks psychics don't want you to know. But now it's time to look back... A 19th century trickery. 
Back then, the spiritualist movement was in full swing. Mediums would hold seances and manifest spirits in many ways, including through ectoplasm. But what do we know about these mediums? And what the heck is ectoplasm anyway? Well, you're about to find out. Click on here for more. Yeah, what does ectoplasm seances manifest of spirits have to do with that? Who knows? People are obsessed with ghosts. The belief that we were able to communicate and interact with the dead was big at the end of the 19th century. Spiritualism was a force to be reckoned with. Uh, you know, that is a very good question. Although it's saying 19th century, but how long have spirits actually been around and ectoplasm been around? That's something I should have asked our guest in an episode 38 about, but oh well. Um, let's see. Fox sisters, Leah and Margaret, or Margarietta, and Catherine Fox from Rochester, New York, were key in the spread of spiritualism. They claimed that their house was haunted and, to cut the story short, became famous mediums. Hmm. This went on until 1888 when they confessed that it was all a hoax. <gasps> Dangerous word to say. But by then, there, were, there was no going back from the spiritualist boom. Mm -hmm. Mediums. Everyone wanted to get in touch with the departed. Mediums started to host seances where they supposedly communicated with the dead and they were using increasingly bizarre methods to wow their audience. One of the oddest ectoplasm. What is ectoplasm? Well, we're about to find out. Ectoplasm was essentially a manifestation of the spirit in the medium, which involves something coming out of the person. That This was a metalization of the spirit world. More likely should be the manifestation of the spirit world, which makes more sense. 
Ectoplasm was usually a gooey substance, but could be made of other stuff, which, which and as such as liquids or fabric. For example, cotton or gauze. How does that work? British writer Arthur Cohen, Conan Doyle described it as a vicious, gelatinous substance which appeared to differ from every known form of matter in that it could solidify and be used for material purpose or purposes. Sorry about that, my little one's being a dipstick. Where did ectoplasmic come from? Mediums would get into a trance, and ectoplasm would flow out of their mouths, ears, eyes, and other orifices. Ew. Talking about nasty. The sister or the sitters would usually be around a table in a very dark room and hold hands. The medium would then enter a trance until ectoplasm started pouring out of somewhere. Mm. The medium could do so right in front of the sitters or go into their spirit cabinet, a large piece of furniture where the spirit would manifest. Does this seem really weird to you guys? Or is this just stupid? Let me know. Ectoplasm could appear as Different shapes, including flowers, faces, gloves, or even people. Helen Duncan, the famous medium, was known for materializing large quantities of ectoplasm. She used to channel a child named Peggy who was covered by a veil of ectoplasm. Historian Marina Warner inspected a sample of the famous medium ectoplasm. As suspected, there was nothing supernatural about it. It was simple. It was simply a piece of fabric. Stupid slide commercials. Harry Houdini! Famed illusionist and escapist Harry Houdini was very skeptical about the whole process in mediums in general and indeed put the idea forward that all they did was use a regeneration technique 
for the effect. In fact, Houdini tried to debunk the whole supernaturalism hoax numerous times. He even wrote a book about it called A Magician Among the Spirits. Weirdly enough, his wife, Bess, tried to contact him after he died through a seance, and so have other magicians throughout the years. Just to kind of stop you for a minute, um, May kind of has struggled here. Uh-oh. Oh, I'm on my Twitter, and... Zach Biggins is following me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. For the hell of it, I went to message him to ask him if he could be a guest when he's free. Yeah. Uh, He hasn't answered yet. Um, Due to fact, it's Eastern here. Pacific where he's at. Pacific where he's at. He didn't respond due to the fact, you know, Zach Bagans, he doesn't get a chance to respond, really, to right. many, but he gets the messages. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping he answers back. <laughs> well, let's see. It's 8.15 here, so it'll be 3.15 their time. They're still running around in the sunlight. <laughs> Why, we're here in the damn dark. I know. Uh, all right. Mediums upped their ectoplasm game. It is believed that some mediums did use animal intestines as ectoplasm for a more gruesome effect. Honestly, these were idiots. (laughs) Wannabe mediums. Ow. That's my ring. Mediums were not only experts at tricking sitters with ectoplasm, but they also made sure people in the room would hear the ghosts. (laughs) Ectoplasm apparently worked as a sort of an amplifier, a voice box, for spirits to communicate with the living. One of the Fox sisters said that the tricks of the mind were ultimately the most powerful ones. A great many people, when they heard or hear the rapping, imaging, at once that the spirits are touching them, it is a very common delusion. <laughs> yeah. These idiots were delusional, all right? <laughs> Whatever they were smoking, I'm glad it's not around. Mediums would protect themselves from skeptical people by keeping them away from the ectoplasm. Yeah. They would either suck it back 
or warn sitters that touching ectoplasm would kill the medium. The first record of ectoplasm. While ectoplasm played central stage in the world of spiritualists, the first recorded of an ectoplasm-like event dated back to a Christian in the 1700s. Swedish majestic Emanuel Swederborg claimed that Viper came out of his pores when an angel visited him. The dude had Alzheimer's disease back then. French psychologist. Psycholo- psych- psychologist? Is or psychologist? Psychologist. Professor okay. Charles Ratchet was the first to coin the term ectoplasm which he described as absorbed but true, or absurd but true. In other words, this guy was a... (laughs) Although they exploited people's grief and basically made a living off tricking people, spiritualism gave many women the opportunity to step out of their traditional roles and become spiritual leaders. Bunch of dumb Hence cards. the term spiritualists. Sir, spiritualism. Most mediums were female. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to stop right there because there is a comma. After this. But the key word was most mediums yeah. were female. Uh-huh. Why not say most mediums were females? I don't know. And ectoplasm would come out of their bodies. I'm going to stop there. I would love to have a true 1,000% female medium on this show. That's legit. And try to explain this bullshit. (laughs) Because that's what I'm calling it. Is bullshit. I want to know if there is a true medium female out there in the world of paranormal has ever had ectoplasm coming out from the body of them doing like a seance or a trance. I want to know that. Not much was known 
about female anatomy at the time and that added to the mystery and indeed the believability of the phenomenon. A seance in a dark room with a medium manifesting could be sexy at times. I want to know if that is actually true, because I think that's even more bullshit than what I just said that was bullshit. Especially when the medium channeled a flirtatious spirit who would touch and even kiss sitters. To prove she wasn't hiding anything inside her, I don't want to know what she if she was or wasn't. French medium Eva I cannot say her last name, but I'm going to spell it. C A R R I E R E invited doctor and physical researcher Baron von Natzing to give her a geological examination during a seance. That just sounds nasty. Miss C would even conduct seances with no clothes on. Wow. Talk about getting porno at the end of the story here. And was known for the elaborate ectoplasm sculptures she pulled out of her. <laughs> That's all I want to say. You fill it in the blank of that one. Many people investigated the medium and her ectoplasm, including a group of 15 scientists. And so did Houdini who instantly recognized a trick he performed himself, the needle trick. When Miss C pulled inflated rubber out of her mouth and made it disappear. Mm. Hmm. Uh, hmm. I'm just going to leave it like that. And if there's any, any true female mediums that are out there, even if you're an empath medium that is out there, contact the show. I'm happy as a pig and shit right now. <laughs> at this email address right here. Ask to be on the show, and I will send you a link before we go live on the next podcast show. And I want to know how this could be possible, and if you were a spiritual medium. Full-blooded, yes. fully 
legit, not these fake motherfuckers that are out there, want you on the show, and I want you to explain to me if you have seen this happen before. In seances, trance, whatever, even being with another legit, real medium, and just sat there and watched, did, and seeing what I just read actually happened to that person, I want you on the show, because I honestly think that what I just read is mainly bullshit. So, get to me on that one. Um, let's see, where's the other one? I got another story here. Da, 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 da. Ah, yes. There's a story going around on the internet about a fish or a sea creature that probably was scared the shit out of you that washed up on a beach. Now, it was kind of funny that last last night, Paralore got on her phone this story after I saw it um, November 29th. A beachgoer walked along a Southern California beach near sunset last weekend, came across a scary-looking sea creature washed ashore in what was a rare sighting, especially considering its kind, is topically found in waters more than 2,000 feet deep. And this thing is ugly. I'm happier than a pig and shit right now. Hold on. Okay. (laughs) The email that uh, you forwarded to me asking if I sent any email to... Yes. ...is Zach Bagan's manager. Oh. He sets, his manager sets up uh, spots for him to be on podcasts. Okay. I just found that out because I'm back in my Twitter. <laughs> okay. The email his manager sent is the Haunted Museum FNAD. FNAD? Uh... Sounds like a disease on your ball sack. Hold on. Uh, The Haunted Museum F-A-N-I-D. Yes, fan ID. That is who deals with his guest episodes. Okay. I, I asked him what... Uh... His the email his manager sent to ours, uh, so you can keep an eye out for it. Mm-hmm. Haunted Museum. F A N I D at Gmail. Fan ID, yeah. Now just let that person know that. We don't pay anybody to come on our show. It's free. I'm talking directly to Zach Bagans right now while we're live. I understand that, but just let let them know that it's a 
it's free. We don't pay anybody to come on the show. We just ask so they can come on. And that if they want to swear, it's it's legit. They can go off as much as they like. Just tell them we're, our show's not like other shows that, that they've been on so far. Secret guys. And while she's doing that, go back to solo to me and see if I could pull this picture up. So you guys see what I got. That's what I'm looking at. That's what washed up on shore. That thing is scary. That thing will probably really make nightmares come true if they they really, really wanted to. And everything, so. <laughs> yeah. So we're going down. It's the stuff of nightmares! Is how JB described his discovery to NBC San Diego. Mr. B was a was at Black's Beach North of San Diego when he noticed the specimen first thinking it was a jellyfish. Then I went and looked at it a little bit more carefully and some other people were gathered around it too. And then I saw that it was this very unusual fish, Mr. B told NBC San Diego. I have never seen anything quite like this before. You know, I go to the beach fairly often, so I'm familiar with the territory. But I've never seen an organism that looked quite as fearsome as this. Mr. B snapped some photos of the foot-long fish and ultimately sent them to NBC San Diego, which in turn sought help from Scripps Institution of Oceanography to identify the sea creature. And I'm going to pull up another side to this. Oh, it's going to do that again. Okay, hold on. Here we go again with this garbage. Let's see if it works this time. There. That's how ugly that thing looks like. Don't worry, I'll have this up on our website as well. Um, it was a Pacific football fish, also known as a, an angular fish, a species made famous in the animated movie 
Finding Nemo. It features needle-sharp teeth and an odd-looking... I can't even say this word, but it's, it looks like a light bulb on antenna on it. Um, dorsal fin, like a gooseneck reading lamp used to lure prey. And I'll have the rest of that up on our website so you guys can read it and maybe download the story. But yeah, that would scare the hell out of me. Um, let's see. I know a lot of people are still into dinosaurs. This one is dinosaur bones from species never uncovered. Found in the U.S. Um, a new species of dinosaurs have been uncovered in Missouri, and it's a fine 80 years in the making. Um, paleontologists Guy D. and Pete M. discovered both a juvenile and an adult skeletons of a newly named, I can't even say this word, Procyosis, uh, I don't know. It'll be up on the website as well. Um, they say it's a duck-billed dinosaur stretching up to 25 to 30 feet long. And it's never before been found in the U.S., according to Fox 2. The dig site will remain a secret until it, it is secure. Mr. M., the curator of the dinosaurs at Chicago's Field Museum, has been digging in Missouri for years and across the globe in places like Argentina, China, and Antarctica. He says this site in Missouri is a remarkable site and one of the best dinosaur locals east of the Great Plains. Well, that's not much of a secret to, to keep out. Um, he says it's only a matter of time before even more dinosaurs are discovered there. It was about 80 years ago that the original owners of this land in Missouri found dinosaur bones. They were sent to the Smithsonian, but not further archaeological studies were done. Then the land was purchased in the in the 1970s and digged and digging sorry has been ongoing since um, yeah so that story will be up on the website as well 
And Parallel's still typing over there in her little bin. So she's doing pretty good. And then here's another dinosaur story, but this one was found in Chile. In a southern and spiritly populated region of Chile, scientists excavated the skeleton remains of a natural armored dinosaur that lived over 70 million years ago. During the late, I can't say this word, so I'm not going to do it, period, much to the team's surprise, they found a possessed and rather bizarre feature, a knife-like artillery in place of a tail. I guess this story will be up on a site with pictures. Um, it just goes on and on and on and on. Basically, the tail looks like a... Oh... Almost like a club that a caveman would use back in, in their time when dinosaurs actually roamed the world, which would be about 72, 73 million years ago now. So, yeah. This is this story is going to be really interesting for you guys to read. But enough about dinosaurs. Oh, here's one of Walmart that I found funny, confusing, and holy shit, what the fuck happened? And how come we? I haven't seen this thing. It is... Let me go back to... No, it's not there. <laughs> My fault. Ah. This is Walmart was selling a singing, swearing, cocaine-using cactus. And this came out the day after Thanksgiving. Which is sh shocked the shit out of me. And everything. Uh, the holiday season has arrived. And so too has the holiday shopping season. If you're not in the mood to fight for a Tickle Me Elmo or whatever people think the kids want this year, may I suggest a singing, dancing cactus. It even swears and talks about drug use in Polish. I think the next time I go to Walmart, I'm going to keep my eyes out for this thing. This cactus has been billed as a childish or children's toy that can sing in English, Spanish, and Polish 
it's unclear why, but the Polish setting features a song by the Polish rapper Cypress. People have apparently been discovering this slowly over the year, but a Canadian grandmother who speaks Polish recently bought the cactus for her granddaughter and discovered the adult lyrics before giving it away. Here is a compilation of the cactus playing the song. And unfortunately, I can't do it because YouTube will be a stickler. But I will have a link to the story up on our website page so you guys can check it out. Plus, I'll see if I can also edit the description below to take you directly to this story so you guys can listen to the goofy thing. Because I'm saying Walmart says the cactus is available through a third-party seller and they have removed it. But if you Google dancing cactus, you can find a ton or find a tone of places, including Walmart, where you can still purchase purchase it. I can't wait to see that Walmart gets busted for even selling something like that. Can you believe that shit? Mm. A singing, cocaine, swearing cactus that Walmart sells. And third parties sells it too just by going to google.com and typing dancing cactus. Toy manufacturers have literally lost everything. I wouldn't even buy that damn thing. If it's going to talk about cocaine. Nor would I give it to a goddamn kid. The fuck's wrong with parents and grandparents? Have they fucking literally lost everything? I'd like to know. If you hear a dog bark, that's our neighbors next door. Fucking mud. I want to kill it. <sighs> okay, now we get to go to another haunted place. Where a man reckons that he found a mummy inside an L.A.'s oldest graveyard. Now, I've tried to look up, after I found this story, exactly how many oldest graveyards are haunted with paranormal in the world. I've gotten a lot of different ones, but it's not the ones I was looking for. I was looking out for the most outstanding ones ever in the world that are that's the oldest graveyards that would have some type of mystery paranormal apparitions something not a whole lot 
But it goes on saying, a man reckons he found a mummy at L.A.'s oldest, oldest graveyards. After finding a mysterious box wrapped up inside a tree. The man known as Tarpit was walking in the Evergreen Memorial Park and Cemetery, which was established in 1877. The artist shared a clip to his TikTok page as he came across a tree which had been cut down. He said, Look what I found. Okay, so they felled That's not even a word. This tree in the graveyard. I'm here picking up sticks and wood chips to burn in my K-I-L-N. This is the oldest graveyard in L.A. He zooms in on the ground and films what appears to be a wooden box tied with what could be string which one side loose after years of decay what is this he continues as he films with one hand and uses the other to unwrap the box tarpit continues no part to where opening this right now, I can see something in there, but it looks kind of gross. It's all wrapped up. Is that a mummy? No, it's not a mummy. It's a dummy. Inside the box is a small figurine type object, which appears to have been tightly bond with string or thread he says okay i have seen what i needed to see it's something tiny all wrapped up in string and we're going to put it back to rest don't you think tarpit put everything back where he found it and covered it up with some wood there is a clip shared last week amassed more than 200,000 views and can be seen here, which would be the gentleman's TikTok. <laughs> well, good evening, our moderator. Did you get lost? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, let's see, it goes on, where would I leave off? Dang it. Uh, underlining what he thought he found. Okay, put them back up now. He added the on-screen caption, Mummy. Um, while also adding the hashtags, hashtag mummy, hashtag graveyard, Hashtag scary and hashtag cursed. Hmm. 
The clip drew numerous comments as some people claimed what he found may have been a fetus. And yes, that noise you're hearing is her box of nerds. Kind of messed up on the opening. Yeah. So that story will also be on the website. And I will try to also put it into the description. Probably sometime tomorrow if I'm lucky. That's if I'm lucky. Um, With the rest of the stories that we've been talking about. And ones that we haven't gotten to yet, I will just throw a link up in there somehow. <laughs> so you guys can well, read the story. Tomorrow. <coughs> Sorry. Nerd went down wrong. The, uh, well, tomorrow, before you do anything, you got to get a hold of Zach Bang as a manager. It's set up the next day and time when we go live. So he can... So, his manager can work it work it in. Okay. Now, is that the only email address that he uses, or is there something else? Um. He didn't divulge that due to fact he, because of who he is, he's private. His manager deals with um, doing. Getting him on podcast shows for as a guest. He's he's actually fine. Uh, we do our episodes live, mm-hmm. and for people to be on live with us, guest wise, it's always done by email. So we got to provide that and to his manager, so his manager can work it work into it. Okay. But the email that came into our show's account. Yes. Is that the one that his manager uses where I can contact him back? For yeah. A date? Mm hmm. Okay. That means I'm going to have to go to my sent folder and pull that back out and <laughs> put it in our contact book. But yeah, our moderator finally joined the show. It's like, holy, holy shit, shit, I finally found a minute. Hey, Gloria. Yeah, I asked her, did she get lost? She was probably busy. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey. But, yeah. Um, I'll put the links in the description sometime tomorrow if I can. So mm-hmm. you guys can read the stories. And I'll also have it up on our website. After I figure out how to put it up there, which that's our website address right there. It is up. It is working. The only thing I have down right now on the site is the photo gallery because I'm trying to redo it a little bit better. And I've had people ask me, well, how can I download it? I just don't want to click on it and then have to figure out another way to download it. I am working on that, so don't worry about that, guys. I will try my best to get it up there. Just working, she says. I figured that. 
Well, if you work, you don't have to be here. Well, she works... As far as I know, she works during the day, so... Mm. So, yeah, that's what's going on. Okay... I know she's. I know she's gonna have fun later on watching the entire show back. <laughs> anyway, well, I know in between uh, answering Zach, that was hearing something in my ear. I was trying to ignore it. It was fucking me up answering him. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to read the story in the damn. Dog started barking. I did tell him that uh, me and you are major huge fans Mm -hmm. of Ghost Avengers since he started it. Yeah, his documentary back in 2004. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's see. Hmm. But... Retail sucks. <laughs> yes, we know. Oh, yeah, I we think know. She just dropped off. Huh? I think she just dropped off because now oh. we have zero viewers. Yeah, I can agree. I've been there too many times. I don't want to go back to it. She probably has to to refresh her browser or something. Mm. Okay, is that all the emails you got? Uh, well, I only have the Ghostbuster Afterlight. Director's five favorite Easter eggs. Uh-huh. Uh, Ghostbusters 3 ending with a Chris Pratt sequel possible. Don't know. <coughs> Excuse me. First look, Ghostbusters Afterlife deleted scenes and new Easter eggs. Uh-huh. Um, I got a sub with 80 sailors that was lost in World War II. Mysteriously it reappeared. Uh-huh. And um, something from GhostbustersNews.com about um, Harold Ramis' daughter. Mm. Real daughter. Yeah, no. (coughs) Excuse me. So, I'm just going to add those to the description on YouTube and just throw those up on uh, our website. So, (coughs) we going to do the herbs now? Yes. All right, we'll be back after a 30-second break with Paralore and the Herbs. Stay tuned. Thank <laughs> you. 